hear that? Do you feel the vibration when that bass crashes in? You know it's time to begin, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks. Using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you the only way we know how, by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Ritual. Ritual brings the show to DLC, of course, the show all about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's loving that sweltering Southern California pre-summer heat, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Um, ooh, it was, we got it. We're getting a taste, a taste today and tomorrow here in Southern California. It is hot. I am sweating. I have a window open. You'll probably hear birds chirping. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the night, birds chirping. Dude, That's just how it is in so- SoCal. If you can come over uh, where we live, it is wild. Like at night in the evening, there's a sound of wild peacocks just peacocking that you hear like off the just, hill and we're like in this bed. Peacocking. Just and then in the morning, we live in Pasadena, kind of near the Rose Bowl area. If, you, if you've seen football, you know the area. There are wild parrots. Parades. Wild parrots. And we wake up at like five in the morning to just like parrots. Just just like, give me a cracker. Give me a cracker. <laughs> just constantly. Yeah. And like curse words. I don't know who taught them all these curse words. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a lot of video game news to talk about. we got video games that we have been playing to talk about. It's an exciting week. I'm really thrilled to be doing the show right now. I thought I was going to have to be doing the show in a hotel room, and I'm really glad I'm not. Um, back home behind my microphone and delighted to welcome our guest this week. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week DLC stands for DM Leonard for commissions, because once again, we have illustrator, graphic designer, and co-creator of mega dads. Our friend Adam Leonard is back with us. Hey, Adam. Hey guys. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I am always excited to be on this side of the podcast. Uh, it's my third time. It's it's a three-peat. This is yeah. great. Yeah, congratulations. Never mind. No, we got to stop. Sorry. I thought I thought this was second. Um, third time, there's a there's a booking fee. Um, it's a whole thing. I thought yeah. third I get time like was a, a charm. jacket or something. <laughs> yeah, you do. You get a jacket. It's really cheap, cheap quality, though, but <laughs> it looks good on camera. You know, I'm, I'm a dad, so it's like it's cargo shorts and, and bad jackets. Yeah, fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I went out uh, for the first time in a long time uh, this weekend because we were we were like looking at houses and stuff, and I, I put on jeans. I do not recommend it. I do not. I, jeans used to be the comfortable pants. That mm. used to be the like easy comfort pants. Christian just showing off that he wears jeans all the time. I don't know that guy, Christian. You have a, an addiction to denim that I cannot. Remember when know. I started this episode by saying I was sweating. <laughs> There you go. No, I haven't worn jeans in a year. And here I am like throwing jeans on going, I, these were used to be the comfort pants. And now no, no longer. Anyway, you got to get them stretchy jeans. They've got like this new breed of jeans that yeah. are like basically sweatpants. 
Um, yeah. They take some adjustment, but I highly recommend getting some of these stretchy jeans. Well, I live in my Mac Weldon's, uh, these like these, these pants, these, uh, like stretchy, go. they're not quite sweat, sweatpants. I mean, they're for all intents and purposes, they're sweatpants, but they look marginally nicer. So you don't feel like a complete schlub, but anyway, uh, all right, uh, let's get into the show and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us your own game reviews that we might read on the show. Any comments or questions, all of it, very much welcome there at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also have a subreddit you can visit with a great community. You can find that at 5x5dlc.reddit.com and a Discord with a thriving community as well. 5x5dlc on the old Discord as well. But Adam, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? You know, it's been it's been surprisingly busy with news for the last several months. It's just been onslaught of announcements, releases, rumors, and all sorts of stuff. And and this week I was kind of, you know, I, was, I knew I was going to be on the show with you guys. And I'm like, well, what's it going to be? There hasn't been anything super major that would typically speak to me. I'm a guy that likes my AAA PlayStation exclusive kind of games. And I was shocked at how blown away I was by the indie world um, by Nintendo. And I I think part of that is because I typically watch these showcases and I'll see a game announced and I'll be like, that's really cool. I'm not going to play it on switch. Uh, (laughs) So I kind of cheat a little bit in that respect, but there was so much good stuff, uh, good stuff out of this indie world, not least of which was a better look at that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which... <laughs> well, well, before we get to that, I want to I want to dig in a little bit about what you just said about not wanting to play it on Switch. Is that because you're a PC guy, or what? what, what is it that makes you not want to play it on Switch? It's, it's not that I don't want to play it. Okay, so I own all three consoles. Well, I should say all three family of consoles. I got a, a, a One X, a PS5, and a Switch. And then I recently got a new PC, which I don't play too much on my PC, but I have all of the options, right? And I think what I find is my Switch is home to my Nintendo exclusives. And when I when there's an indie that I want to play, when there's an indie that catches my eye, the first thought is Game Pass. Like, okay, is <laughs> yeah. this going to hit Game Pass? <laughs> right. And then my second fallback to that is my prefer my personal preferred platform is PlayStation. That's just where I enjoy playing more. So if it's not going to hit Game Pass, I'm probably going to get it on the PS5. And if it doesn't hit any of them, then I'll play it on the Switch. That's kind of my mindset there. So when I watch these showcases, I'm looking at the games, but typically with an indie, it's going to be a multi-platform thing. So I I immediately then scan the details to see where I'm actually going to play that game. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I think a lot of people love the convenience of the Switch. And the Switch certainly has been, I think, at least to my surprise, and I would suspect to many people's surprise, uh, really friendly to indies over the course of its lifespan so far. And, um, you know, I think you're absolutely right that a lot of these are showing up on Game Pass. A lot of them are showing up on PlayStation 
almost all of them will also be on PC, but I think it's pretty encouraging and, and cool, honestly, uh, how much Nintendo is making a big deal of their indie game roster and how many of them are only on Switch and then PC. Yeah, and I think, you know, I can only speak to my personal preferences on gaming you know i like to play on a big screen so yeah. i don't typically i'm the weirdo like i'm the i'm the 10 percent of people that only plays my switch docked interesting um yeah I, I, then i get that with every time I, I bring that up to people they're like what are you talking about that's the whole point of the switch i'm like yeah but i got this nice big tv i get it I like man. to make use of it and that's yeah. just and typically when i game um my son who's six years old he's huge into video games so he likes to watch what i and engage and play with me and things like that so typically gaming is not a what can i do while everybody else is doing their thing it's more like a, a communal experience so the switch is always docked the games are always on the tv interesting all right well that's that's really cool it's funny you know nintendo came out the version of the switch that does not dock uh, it would be funny if there was a version that only docks, you know, yeah. that works like a traditional console and needs a big TV to plug into it. That would be the one for you. Um, but let's let's talk about this uh, this Indie World Showcase, which was a Nintendo Direct uh, that showed, you know, it was pretty brief. I think it was a little over 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It showed a bunch of games in that short period. Uh, some of them we have seen for many years, like Fez, which is coming to Switch. Uh, and some of them brand new, ex- exciting, like the one you mentioned, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Shredder's Revenge, which is coming soon. Uh, obviously, that was the top of your list. Is there any other stuff that you saw? Or Tell me about your experience of watching this showcase in and of itself. Do you think that it effectively showcased a bunch of these games? Because I would say, you know, it was kind of drinking from the fire hose a bit. Yeah, it, it definitely was like, especially when you got to the end and they kind of just did a well, we got three minutes left, so here's like 50 more games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It was a lot, but honestly, I i haven't watched a lot of these indie showcases from end to end. I typically will s- skim the highlights, um, but this one was just like punch after punch after punch. Uh, specific games that, that I was interested in, obviously I talked about the Turtles. I think Art of Rally looks incredible. I'm a racing game fan. Um, I know Jeff, you're not really into racing games, but right. I, I, I think this looks phenomenal. And of course, as an artist, I dig the style. Right. Um, but one thing that I walked away with, and I've had this thought before, and I want to, I'm interested in your guys' takes is where did Annapurna come from? And how do they just have like nothing but outstanding software? <laughs> I agree. I just seeing the Annapurna logo, unlike uh, th- there's very few game publishers at this point that i see the logo of the publisher and i immediately need to pay attention to the game Mm -hmm. Uh, i I don't think that that's a that's a common thing anymore there used to be a lot more companies like that for me and now it's very few but annapurna you're absolutely right they are just selecting interesting challenging original outside the box experiences and yeah two games from the showcase uh are from annapurna the uh, the never excuse me uh, road ninety six and uh, last stop, mm-hmm. which both of those looked really interesting for me personally. Road ninety six, uh, which they're describing as a procedural narrative game. Yeah, 
I don't know how you do that, but it looked, I mean, the, the tiny little snippet, uh, trailer, uh, trailer is even too big of a word for it. A very, very brief look at the game, uh, showed like numerous iterations of the same thing. It's like, oh, I met a person. They were a student. No, they were a, you know, hacker. No, they were on the road. No, they were stealing money from me. No, I was helping them. It's like all these different ways to experience this story but i don't know how you do a procedural narrative you know it's it's really interesting some of my favorite um games from the last 10 years are don't nod adventure games Mm -hmm. where they're very narrative driven and the whole thing is your 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 choices determine the outcome of the games like life is strange um but one of the things that i always and i and my my co-host and my brother, John, we always say this to each other is once we're done with those games, we don't want to go back because our experience was our experience. And we can't imagine making the other choices with, with this game, the whole thing is do it again. And you're going to have something completely different. So I think if they can stick the landing, that is an outstanding premise. Yeah. Christian, when I hear the word procedural, I think of things like, you know, Diablo and, Games that, that where the the computer the the video game itself is mixing and matching various puzzle pieces and creating uh, a randomness to the experience. I don't know how you do that with narrative, right? I mean, stuff like um, like Heavy Rain and, and the Quantic Dream stuff, where there's all these branching pathways and you can experience the narrative and a variety of you know all your choices uh, lead you down these these branching pathways are heavily written and very, very much not procedural. How how does a person, how does a company make a procedural story driven game like this? Or what does that mean to you? I guess is a better question. Yeah. I think what it means to me is that there's a lot of branching dialogue um, and kind of decision trees. It's it's, Mm. to, to me, it seems kind of like the bigger choose your own adventure style thing where like, if this, then that we're going to plug in this from here. But it does seem like there's the potential for a whole lot of dialogue. I don't know if it was all voice acted or not. It sounded like it, yeah. It sounded like it. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more of of that kind of stuff. You know, like this isn't the same style of game. But I think as, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, Adam, but there's this game called Hades that um, Jeff refuses to play. Um, um, I'm pretty uh, sure I'm the one who played it before you. Uh, I remember you played a game called Hads. That didn't sound that fun mm, to me, but um, mm, mm. I'm more of a haves than a hads not. <laughs> <laughs> more of a present tense guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, the way we encountered that narrative, I imagine, is is different. There are similar beats that you do experience, but the times in which you die and repeat them. And so I think games have kind of pushed this envelope. And I think maybe Outer Wilds might be similar where you encounter those different types of narrative moments and how your exploration goes and what planet you go to. And I'm sure people listening are yelling other examples at me, but it does seem fascinating if it's just like a, how big is your role? Um, and I, and I hope every time I hear this, a, a game like this in this broader genre get announced, there's almost always the critique of someone picking it apart. You know, whether it was the walking dead telltale game uh, a decade ago or whatever, it's like, Oh, it doesn't matter what you choose. The ends the same. Or like we ran it eight different ways. And whether you were the hacker or the money person on road 76 or whatever, you know, like and that always kind of bums me out. It's like this completionist, see everything. And I agree with Adam where it's like, what was your experience? Just have your experience. Yeah. So I'm super curious about the game 
and and I hope it it nails what it's going for, and that the three of us can all play it and have vastly different experiences. How cool would that be? Maybe I'm reading too much into this procedural uh, moniker, but to me, that is the opposite of crafted, right? Is the opposite of of handcrafted. Um, you know, all of the games we've talked about before that are story driven that have branching dialogue, branching even situations where you can go off and you know, choose your own adventure. A choose your own adventure book is a handcrafted experience. There's nothing procedural about it. Uh, you make this decision, you go over here, you make that decision, you go over there. Uh, to me, procedural means the computer is making those, those decisions. And it, it is, it is putting stuff in a certain, arranging stuff in a certain order based on an algorithm that is different every time. And I, I'm just still, intrigued. You have to, yeah, yes, but you still craft the possible things that it can sure, pull you, from right sure, you not, craft the, the puzzle pieces right but I, it feels like they're saying thousands of different ways through and i guess there's thousands of different ways through a quantic dream game as well but and, and again i don't want to make too much of a deal about it but it, it sounds fascinating to me the game looks really intriguing i love the art style this is called road 96 and it was literally the first game they showed um you know it's about a about a road trip Sounded really cool. The other uh, uh, Annapurna game, Last Stop, even more enigmatic a trailer. I don't even know what that's about. But again, this publisher, right, Adam, has such a great track record that you feel like, well, I got to pay attention. Yeah, it's it just the, and, and they seem to have just come out of nowhere. Like I remember playing uh, Donut County a couple of years yeah. ago and you yeah. know that was on there, but it was just kind of like, OK, publisher. But it just seems like it is a vast library and getting bigger and bigger and bigger of just incredible indie experiences under this title and under this uh, publisher. And they just seem to come out of nowhere and movies as well. They pub- they make, they publish movies or they um, produce movies and the Annapurna movies seem to be pretty high, top quality too. It's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's really become a seal of, you got to pay attention to it to me. Um, Christian, do you have any uh, standouts from the the Nintendo Indie Game Indie World Showcase? I do. I have two, and I'll start with the one that almost made me dig my Vita out, and that's Oli Oli World, which it looks like in cartoon. Like they've totally changed the art style to it, and they've they've said that it's more of like an action adventure game, whereas the first two games were perhaps more akin to a Tony Hawk, where you're doing runs. And you're trying to get high scores and playing through levels, collecting things. I loved them. And because the Vita store is closing soon and stuff like that, I was like, I'm going to go get my Vita. I love that that little handheld. I got to go get that out again. But seeing Ollie Ollie World, Ollie Ollie World, and say Ollie Ollie World too, Ollie Ollie World getting announced with like the different paths you can take and like, oh, you kind of want to chill and cruise, you can do that. Or if you want to go on like more difficult uh, runs, you can do that. It looked so charming and so fun that it is very high on my most anticipated list. And I think, uh, I guess to be the majority, if Adam said he was in the minority, <laughs> like this is the perfect switch game. Like for, for me on the handheld curled up on a couch, just sessioning through some skate. Um, it looks awesome. It I'm does look stoked. really cool. It, 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 I love the idea of them turning that into an adventure where you're getting quests, potentially talking to NPCs uh, and all of the branching um, pathways, uh, you know, on a skateboard through the world looked really cool. You know, they were showing these 
sections where you could go high, go low, like grind on a wall and, and get to certain other locations. Really clever progression of the Ali Ali franchise, as you mentioned. And the color schemes, too. It's like this pastels, and it just, yeah. it's hitting all the right moments. Um, and then the other one is Oxen, 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 Oxen Free, Ali Ali Oxen. Oxen Free 2. Well, that's signals. funny. Ali Ali and yeah. Oxen. <laughs> I was free. like, Adam, that's funny. <laughs> stuck in my head. Uh, that's hilarious. I didn't even put that together. They should have made a big, bigger deal about that in the thing. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie, and uh, Ollie, Ollie, too, and Oxen Free, too. That's They're going to sell them in a bundle. Come on, do it. <laughs> I guess it's not Ollie, Ollie, too. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I'm tickled. <laughs> I think, I think if I remember correctly, we both kind of raved about the first Oxen Free. I still listen to the soundtrack regularly. I played through it on, I think, PC first, and then I got it on Xbox. Um, and it's just such a wonderful experience. And, and well-written and well-conceptualized. And it's a world you just want to live in and experience. And I think it encapsulated or, or captured that like high school angst moving to a new town, but then also adding in this supernatural thing to it, which is just, it was fun. It was fresh. And to see a sequel now um, and, and coming to Switch and like, the, again, the looks there, the aesthetic there, jumping five years into the future is very exciting, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, you might have seen on yeah, Twitter. I think the I first very... one was set in the 80s, right? 90s? Was it? Anyway. I think. Yeah, that's cool. But like you might have seen on Twitter, I was very publicly trying to get a demo, <laughs> <laughs> an early demo. And I saw on Twitter, uh, of course he did. Corey Schmitz did the logo for it. So I'm in. You know, like yeah. I'm going to buy merch for it. I'm going to have a poster for it. it. They make great games. They're another studio that just. Night School. Yeah. Yeah. They, Great they studio. Good stuff. Yeah, we, we both really like that first game. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that this was their big mic drop end of the presentation. Oh, there's one more thing we forgot to mention. Because I just didn't get the sense that the first Oxenfree was, had that kind of cachet. But rock on, man. I'm glad that that's the case. Um, yeah, super excited for that. Um, I was really impressed and um, noticed the the diversity of the creators that they showcased uh there was all kinds of different languages being spoken over the course of um over the, the course of the show and people from all kinds of different uh locations and and you know various ethnicities it was great it was great to see nintendo showcasing a, a variety of creators and um you know it, this one uh never yield by uh ariel knight it's he's mm-hmm. doing he's pulling a um, a pubg where he's you know a uh, player unknowns <laughs> battlegrounds. He's got his, uh, he's got his aerial knights never yield. The game is called never yield, but it's like name above the title. I love this kid. And he, um, he was like, you know, the industry didn't have a place for me. So I just made my own game. And here he is, you know, on a Nintendo direct showing that his game, the game looked really cool. Uh, an infinite runner. That's it was on like- the, the steam demo showcase. I played, you know, a good bit of it. It's really cool. It's kind of like a, got a rhythm element to it as yeah. you're jumping sliding dashing and the music's great it's, it's something to keep an eye on for sure uh and of course you know i talked at length on this show a while back um danish uh, recommended there is no game to me and uh that is really cool very much worth playing i played play on pc of course but i think it'll be great on switch uh, i hope they use some touchscreen i add some touchscreen support for it because i think it would work really really well uh, it's a point and click comedy they call it but uh, I think being able to touch the screen would be cool. I don't know if that's going to be included, but it would be neat. 
Uh, I was also really surprised by this uh, Getsu Fumaden Undying Moon. Uh, the visual style looked really cool. A, a roguelike hack and slash game. I'm into the roguelikes. Um, really cool looking. The one game that I feel like I have no desire to play, and no offense to the creator because he seemed really passionate and cool about it, is The Longing, which is basically a game about waiting for 400 days. <laughs> You I, think I this? missed this one. Did I? Did I fall asleep? What was this one? Uh, this is this had the the kid on who's like, yeah, I was, uh, I I, uh, I found a cave when I was young. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah, had yeah, a yeah. statue in it, and about you know, people were waiting for the for the god to uh, come out of this the cave. And I was like, this is a great idea for a game. So I made a game about waiting, and it looks like the slowest on screen character of all time. It literally has a ticking countdown timer at the top constantly ticking down in real time 400 days so the game ends 400 days after you start it regardless of what you do you can play it or not play it uh but there are things you can do to pass the time (laughs) while you're waiting the 400 days which i would assume change the results that happens after 400 days but uh it just looks like i mean i'm sure there's going to be so many people that do this, it's going to be, I, I have no, I, no doubt the internet will embrace this concept, but really doesn't seem like a game for me. <laughs> it just feels like watch, watch your life tick away. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine the speed runs we'll get. <laughs> that was a good joke. I like that. That's good. That's good. You know, it's a good joke when someone replies by saying, that's a good joke. <laughs> no, good. I like it. That's a thinker, but it's good. Um, what else? I, I think uh, Chris Tales looks really cool. Uh, the uh, it's a JRPG with really neat sort of Saturday morning cartoon uh, cutscene art style. Digging that. Uh, a lot of juicy stuff here. That game Skull the Hero Slayer, mm-hmm. where you're wearing different heads to get different powers, um, seems really cool as well. A lot of great stuff uh, on the Switch coming as indie titles. So yeah, great, great story of the week, Adam. And uh, kudos to Nintendo, from my perspective, for mm-hmm. continuing to highlight these indie games and really making it, you know, they're not an afterthought in a larger discussion. It's not like, hey, look at the next Mario game, but also we have some indies to, to fill out our roster. Mm-hmm. It really is, here's an entire presentation just about that stuff. No first party Nintendo anywhere to be seen. It's all focusing on these really cool, dynamic, interesting, outside the box ideas. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot, I think, more this week. Uh, Christian talked last week, but we're going to talk a lot more this week about Before Your Eyes, which Adam and I both played. Uh, but between playing that and seeing these indies this week, it really reinforces the fact that we're in this wonderful place where video games are a storytelling medium that can sit beside any other storytelling medium you'd, you'd like. Movies, books, whatever. Uh, the, the kind of stories that people are able to tell in the indie space in particular is beautiful and artistic and inspiring to me, quite frankly. So I, I'm excited about a lot of these that they were showing. Too many right, games. Christian. Oh, yes. I guess I should say. Too many games. Uh, it, it, definitely that as well. Yes. Uh, Nintendo being like, oh, here's, you know. 30 games coming to switch that you're not gonna have time to play um christian spicer what is your story of the week my story of the week is the resident evil showcase um 
which was really well done. Britt hosted another fantastic showcase for Capcom, I think. I, I, I like the way Resident Evil has become in the automotive industry. There's all this talk about sub-brands, right? Range Rover or Land Rover did it with the Range Rover where there was like the Range Rover, then the Range Rover Sport, the Range Rover Velour or whatever. And now it's like, there's a Bronco, a Bronco Sport, a Mustang, an EV Mustang. So like there's the company and they're like every little IP has like its tendrils and I like yeah. the way Capcom is doing that with Resident Evil. Like it already kind of was with the various different multiplayer games and the offshoots and stuff. But it's like this wasn't a Capcom Direct. It wasn't a Capcom Direct focusing on Resident Evil. It was the second Resident Evil showcase um, and getting us hyped for Village. And then also their kind of mic droppy moment, um, RE4 coming out on yet another platform. <laughs> Just when you thought they couldn't port RE4 to a different platform, they're bringing it they're bringing it to VR as an Oculus Quest 2, which unfortunately leaves me out, um exclusive, but I thought it was another really great showcase. I could watch that RE engine all day and I but to me I think the bigger story is um is Resident Evil 4 VR. That looked fantastic. Yeah, a number of things coming out of here. A uh, new trailer, of course, for Village, um, which which got some juicy deets. But also uh, Resident Evil Mercenaries will be back. It, it, I'm kind of not surprised by that. Um, but also a new Netflix series, uh, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, an animated movie. Uh, sorry, I guess it's not a series. It's a movie uh, coming to Netflix in July. Um, and there will also be... New demos uh, and kind of a weird demo rollout for Village. There already which, was one. You missed it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, there's like eight hour windows where you can play the game for 30 minutes, two sections of it. I don't know. It's cool. I think it's fun marketing. It's like really neat. I, I'm I'm into this kind of stuff. Like, A, I dig demos for games. I think they really help you get a sense of whether or not you're going to want to buy it and play it. And I like these sort of limited demos where... It feels like an event. It feels like a cool thing in and of itself. I thought the first village demo was kind of the perfect length. You know, it didn't overstay its welcome. It just kind of gave whetted my appetite, made me excited for how the game's going to look and feel. I think they're doing the right thing here. I think it's neat. Um, but yeah, Adam, what do you think of uh, Resident Evil Four coming becoming a first person game for Oculus Quest Two? Uh, owners of the original Oculus Quest. Not able to play this, which is a bit of a bummer. But uh, yeah, coming, um, we're going to get more details at the Oculus Game Showcase next week. But uh, what do you make of this, Adam? I'm very curious. First of all, I don't have a quest, so boo. Uh, (laughs) Boo to that, (laughs) because I would love to play this. Um, I'm very curious how they adapt it for VR. I can't imagine it's going to be a beat-for-beat uh, port of the game because the original game had a lot of quick time uh, mm, segments that would be really tricky in VR. I can remember one in particular where Leon is like diving through laser grids um, and doing backflips and and all sorts of you know incredible stuff that you couldn't actually do with a controller in hand at the time well, that the GameCube game came out. It might be the kind of thing where you you know it cuts to a two D a lot of VR games, especially ports will cut to a 2D screen for like cutscenes and stuff. Oh. And that stuff may just happen like that. Sure. And I don't think that's ideal, but I think it 
It would be fun if they made the, the QTEs not push a button, but like move your arms in weird ways. <laughs> you know? Give Don't me a mind B. Me, honey. I'm Give just jumping a. through laser traps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, um, but uh, you make a good point. That That's obviously a, a great game and a perfect get for an exclusive title. I mean, everybody that, that has a Quest uh, 2 is is going to jump all over that. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I love resident evil. I'm a OG resident evil fan. I can remember. I I mean, I've still got my black label resident evil for PS one. I played all of them, all the mainline games, uh, except for six, never completed six. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. (laughs) Um, but I, I love the fact that Capcom has given resident evil kind of like a dual identity like they still have their action action horror aliens-esque kind of you know submachine gun flames or grenade launcher resident evil 2 kind of games yeah but seven and eight are like something completely different with just sheer horror like seven was yeah. seven was pants peeing scary right and and eight also looks while it also looks terrifying, I love the fact that they're leaning even further away from the zombies. I think yeah. that's outstanding. I know a lot of people have kind of voiced hesitancy about it. It appears to be kind of uh, vampires and werewolves. You know, it's like Underworld and the Resident Evil. You know, I think some people have a little apprehension there. I love the fact that this this new, these last two main line Resident Evil games have taken what you think you know about Resident Evil and kept some of the DNA, especially along the terms of storyline, but giving you something you just didn't see coming. I think that's outstanding. I'm very excited for eight. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I mean, it looks really cool. Uh, Christian, I know you, right when this news broke, you texted me and you're like, are you going to play this? Cause you know, famously with seven on VR, I love the fact that it was in VR and I played, you know, hours of it but at a certain point i was like i can't do this to my nerves and you said are you gonna be able to play four in vr and i feel like four exactly as adam was describing it is in a kind of a different category right it's not trying to just scare you it really is more of an action game and so i don't think unless i'm it's been a while since i played four so i might not be remembering a lot of the scares but uh, i think i won't have as big of a problem surviving that game uh, i think it'll be more more fun and i'm i'm really excited for this i know you only have an original quest so you might be a bit bummed but what do you what do you think of this yeah i, I think it's a great title for um to, for vr i think the way it plays i think it makes a lot of sense i am as you yeah, have talked slow, about methodic you know yeah all that stuff yeah it's yeah. still like a a you know fast in terms of coming from old resident evil games it's not tank controls breaking that mold but yes it's not outriders like it makes right. sense for a vr pace i think um and while you know i have some misgivings about larger facebook <laughs> things that that sure. company has done um i am glad that they seem to keep throwing money at vr and making cool stuff i think the thing that you and i can agree upon though jeff is that it VR's walled gardens continues to bum me out. Like I wish, I wish I could play this um, via the Oculus. Still have it in the Oculus Store, if you will. But I can use my Link cable to play it because maybe my Quest One isn't powerful enough. But I still want to play it, Um, and it's just a headset. So that aspect of Oculus exclusives, Quest Two exclusives, I think. And chat's talking about this too. 
if this is maybe the first announced Quest 2 exclusive game? Like, are we moving into that next gen of hardware? Well, I um, suspect next week we'll be getting more of that. Yes. Uh, when we get to the uh, the event. Uh, we'll be talking a lot more, I'm sure, about uh, Oculus next week because they're having their big their big game uh, presentation. But yeah, I think you're right. And, and I don't know anything in particular, but it seems to me that there's no real reason that this needs to be a two exclusive other than the fact that they let you play it completely untethered on the, on the faster processor. But like you said, if you wanted to power this in the PC and just send it over, they should be able to let you do that. It does feel like they're specifically using it to incentivize sales, which it it makes sense, right? They want to sell that piece of hardware, but it's a bummer for people that, bought an original quest so recently or a rift s yeah like i wonder if that'll come next week like the fact that it's not because if it were on the rift s store then i could play it because it's just a pc game so i'm hoping they'll announce that and they're not abandoning i i get moving on like the quest one is old hardware at some point i get it i get it but to not continue to support your tethered headset (laughs) that like that came out the same time, basically. That yeah. can run a beefy GPU. So I, I have my fingers crossed, but I'm not holding my breath, I should say. But as the game, aside from the business side of it, I think Resident Evil 4 in VR is a fantastic game. And um, I'm very excited to see how it plays. I'm going to surprise you and say that uh, as as excited as I am for this, I kind of think it could have been even cooler if they just put resident evil 4 in vr without making it first person i think i i really think the entire vr market is missing an opportunity to sell people on third person vr games because they're great and to be able to just sit in your chair with a headset on and use a controller and look around and and have the head mounted display envelop you but and, and allow you to control the camera with your face instead of one of your thumbs is great it's great and i I, like insomniac did that and a lot of people have just not i thought edge of nowhere was awesome fantastic fantastic fury uh no it's feral Feral rights yeah like had promise it wasn't i would have loved like a third or you know second or third iteration of that but yeah i feel like a lot of other developers haven't everybody wants to do the take the clip put it in your gun Mm -hmm. and like it's fun right but yeah so it's a third person action game Yes, I, I I like the presence. I like the you are there. It's you in the world. First person situation. Yes, that's cool in VR. I dig it very much. But it it is not the the only way that VR makes games better, in my opinion. I think being having the world all the way around you, being able to look anywhere you want to look without having to move the mouse, it it or you know thumbstick is an improvement in my opinion is an improvement and i want more of these companies i I love the fact that we're getting old games ported to vr i think that's a great trend i hope it continues i think there's a bunch of games that would be so cool in vr and i hope i hope facebook (laughs) throws money at people to make it happen if that's what it takes but i do think it's a missed opportunity to not think about doing it in ways that I mean, I understand that, you know, Facebook and Oculus have these touch controllers and they want to show that presence and show that one-to-one. But man, just sitting 
sitting with a headset on and playing a game on a controller as you normally do with a video game is better, in my opinion. Yeah, chat's throwing out Moss and Astrobot. Like Astrobot, yes. I love the PS5 Astrobot. It is a must play. If you have a PS5, play the, the flat Astrobot. The VR Astrobot, it's incredible. And and it's it's you're not first person Astro. It's still that third person platformer, and it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see more games. Kind of, it, I mean, it was like Lucky's Tale the first, and, and then yeah, we've kind of moved away from it. It seems like, which is a which is a shame. Yeah, uh, there was a Chronos. There was a whole bunch of games like that, that in the first wave of VR games, and I and it does feel like it's they've kind of receded from that a bit. And I'll add just really quickly before we move on that there's a really missed opportunity because Resident Evil Four has that really cool. Um, really tight over the shoulder camera on Leon. Yeah. And if they did that in third person, you would be experiencing an entire Resident Evil game piggybacking Leon the whole way, which I think is delightful. Really? I cool. think that would just be delightful. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody, you know, has not tried Edge of Nowhere yet and has a VR headset, or I guess it's exclusive to Oculus headsets. So there you go. But uh give it a shot. It's solid, super, super cool game. And I think it demonstrates exactly what I'm talking about. Um, uh, more Oculus news for my story of the week. And, I, and as I said, we'll probably have lots more next week too. But let me first uh, thank our sponsor, which is Ritual. Uh, Ritual is all is a multivitamin. You should be taking a multivitamin. Do you take a multivitamin? You should. Do you know what's in your multivitamin? Most people don't. Uh, oftentimes there can be sugars, GMOs, synthetic fillers, artificial colorants, stuff you might not want, not to mention animal byproducts like sheep's wool and gelatin from hooves and hides. These are all ingredients that you might find in a multivitamin, but Ritual is not your typical multivitamin. Ritual is clean and vegan-friendly and is made with key nutrients in forms your body can actually use without those shady extras. I've been taking Ritual. My wife's been taking Ritual even longer than I have because they started out as Ritual for Women uh, now they have uh, a number of varieties. They have uh, women, men, and teens, which are scientifically developed to help support those different life stages. But the reason that we like Ritual, not only does, is it transparent in the sense that you know what's in it, you know where, where, it's come, where it's sourced. It's really nice to know what you're putting in your body, even in a multivitamin, not just in the food that you eat. But the reason my wife loves Ritual is because... It is. It has been developed with a time-release capsule that's designed to dissolve later in less sensitive areas of your stomach. So you can take your ritual multivitamin without food. You don't have to wait and eat. Take it with food. You can take. You can take it with food, but you don't have to schedule it. You don't have to go. Oh gosh, I want to take this, but did I eat recently enough? Is it going to upset my stomach? Is it going to make me feel a little queasy? queasy? My wife gets you know, has a sensitive stomach that way and she doesn't want to have to schedule her life around eating a multivitamin. So it's great that she has the option to take it without food and it won't be a problem. Uh and again, it's traceable. Uh it's made traceable ritual. You always know where your nutrients come from thanks to rituals one of a kind visible supply chain. And as I said, Women, men, and teens, teens varieties uh, of the uh, ritual multivitamin. And um, it's great that you can subscribe to Ritual. It's delivered right to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, 
they'll refund your first order. You deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering listeners of DLC 10% off during our first three months. Visit ritual.com slash DLC to start your ritual today. Again, that's 10% off your first three months of Ritual at ritual.com slash DLC. All right, as I said, um, uh, my story of the week, we were kind of talking about uh, link cable for the Oculus and the Quest in particular. Um, the Quest 2, I have, I mentioned on the show several weeks ago, uh, I got it up and running wirelessly on my Wi-Fi network, uh, sending PC VR games to the headset without the cable. Uh, as cool as the link cable is, and as much as I paid for it, uh, I find it to be the the tethering to be a little cumbersome and heavy on my face. Like literally just being connected at the point on the front of the headset weighs it down a bunch. So it was really cool that using this third-party virtual desktop app, you can get wireless streaming to your headset up and running very easily. Now, the news this week is that uh, there will be an update to the Oculus Quest 2 uh, software, and it's going to support a number of new features, including wireless PC streaming natively. So you no longer need virtual desktop, uh, which is like 20 bucks. And kudos to the designer of virtual desktop, by the way. It's a single guy, and uh, he's done a, a great job. And he says that he's in, uh, intending to upgrade that product to include functionality that the native version will not have. So I'm excited to see what that entails. But I think this is huge. And it further baffles me about why RE4 or anything would be exclusive to Oculus Quest 2, because it feels like you could say, hey, if you want to not stream this wirelessly, then yeah, you need the Oculus Quest 2 because it needs the faster processor. But for all other headsets... It's a PC app, and you can stream it to your heads. I, well, I, I wish they would do that. It I feels hope, like I a hope that gets announced this week at the bigger showcase. I don't think it will because yeah. they're pushing standalone. I, I understand that's like a way to a higher adoption rate for it's like this is all you need. This is everything. These are all these cool experiences. Yeah. But I, I selfishly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, they're calling it AirLink. Uh, they're talking about uh, you know you need a a, a pretty high end router for this because the. Uh, the data transfer rate has to be fast so you don't have lag and lag can create, you know, that disorientation in VR. You don't want that. Um, but, and you need to be located pretty close to your router. So it's not like you could be, you know, hanging out at a Starbucks and, you know, in VR, it doesn't seem like it wouldn't, would work very well. But um, they've also announced that they'll work to improve the air link over time, including performance, visual quality, and the ability to run in less than ideal wireless scenarios. So that's cool. Uh, and they announced a uh, 120 hertz mode, uh, which you can switch to for a lot of games, and uh, the Infinite Office, which is a uh, a version of using your desktop in VR. I guess we'll be getting lots more information about this next week, but it's already my story of the week because of the PC streaming. It really opens up the Quest 2 as being the go-to VR headset as far as I'm concerned. You know, I love, I have the Valve Index. I love it. It's very expensive. I love it. But the fact that Quest 2 requires no external cameras is cheap in comparison to every other headset out there. Works right out of the box. So simple to set up. You can go. It has the uh, 
you know, the standalone games, and now you can stream it wirelessly in your home. It just feels like the product that makes VR simple, robust, interesting. I don't know, Adam, how do you feel about VR in general? And, and what do you make of this news? Uh, funny story about the Quest too. My my brother, who I do uh, Megadad's live podcast with, he just got one. And he got it right before we recorded our last episode. And he comes over and he's talking all about it. And we finished the episode. And I'm like, why didn't you bring it? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's the whole point is that it's totally <laughs> yeah. portable. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have not had any experience with the Quest 2. I have a PSVR. I'm very excited that across the board investment continu- continues in VR as a viable platform. Uh, I don't have a lot of insight into the Oculus because just because, you know, I don't have, I don't have that hardware, but I, I, any, any VR news of, of this, this platform expanding with new ideas and, and better utilization is good. Even if I don't own the platform, it's all good because it means that it's, it's pushing further and further into the mainstream, which is exciting for me because I, I will eventually get the, you know, the PS5 version of PSVR, whatever that ends up being. And yeah. um, it's, too, it's just all good know. news because it's so good. Like I try to tell people that don't have VR, you got to do it. You got you, you can't explain it to anybody that's never tried it before. You just want to put it on everybody's head so that they can have that experience. I really hope that when we learn more about PSVR 2 or whatever they end up calling it, um, it includes an option for this kind of wireless streaming from the PlayStation 5. Um, there's no indication that it will. It seems to be a wired solution, but I hope they work up to that because it, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary to be completely untethered, to get that high quality experience. Um, I'm super excited that they've... that. Oculus has made this standard and native for the Oculus Quest 2. It's great. Christian, I know, you know, feelings about Facebook aside, it it does feel like Quest 2 is like the if you're interested in VR, right? There's no other there's no other suggestion at this point. Now you can play all the uh, Steam PC VR games on it it's wirelessly. Yeah, I mean as, assuming it works well, you know, there are a bunch of co- caveats. I mean, virtual office, that's how I played most of half-life alex was right through that because it, it actually worked better for me than the official link cable back then um yes it, the only the only 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 other thing that i would say to someone who's maybe still thinking about vr and getting interested i do almost feel like at this point you wait for a quest three like <laughs> it's it like might that happen yeah we might get it next week <laughs> it's, that, it's that apple balance of like oh i really yeah. want a new iphone no you don't we're close to September. Yeah. You don't want it yeah, right There's now. <laughs> one day to want a new iPhone and it's when the new iPhone has been announced. <laughs> yeah. And then there are other days when you need one. Um, yeah. And I don't know where we, I mean, they're pushing this tech pretty rapidly. So I could see a new iteration of hardware coming pretty soon. But yes, if you are in the market for a VR headset, you know, now in the immediate future, they keep making the Quest 2 more and more and more attractive. The only other thing I wish about the Quest 2 other than the required, you know, Facebook account connectivity um i wish they had different colorways for it white controllers while beautiful become gross um yeah they become gross <laughs> especially when you're beat sabering and sweating profusely yeah yes indeed <laughs> yeah 
Uh, I do like the white, though. I think it looks sharp. It looks very sharp. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. You know, there's one more story that I want to talk about, but I think we can, we'll just fold that into our discussion of the game in the playlist. So let's move on now and talk about the games we have been playing in the playlist. Ooh, Um, what have you been playing recently? So I have two games that I want to discuss. One, one of which has been owning almost all of my playtime and is incredibly fun. And one that is a very deep moving experience that I think we can have a group discussion on. So I'll, I'll start with the fun first and then we'll get into the heavy. Um, I've never heard anybody talk about this game on a podcast anywhere but I have been so deep into Genshin Impact. Uh, I've been playing it on my PlayStation 5. It's a free-to-play action role-playing game that is heavily inspired by uh, Breath of the Wild. But it's dressed, it's wrapped in what I, what I describe to people as like old-school Final Fantasy. Like Super Nintendo-era Final Fantasy with knights and castles, and bards, and thieves. And this game is, you know, it's free to play, so it has like some monetization in there. But I played 40 hours of this game without ever dropping a dime, uh, which I thought was incredibly impressive. And even now that I'm at the point where they've opened up like battle passes and options for the way you the way you buy things in this game is almost like um, packs of trading cards yet like blind boxes which is not the greatest but all yeah. of the stuff is is just kind of artificial cosmetic kind of things you don't have to put any money into this game and what you get is this very engrossing incredibly beautiful role playing game experience um it's got the it's got the exploration of a breath of the wild where the world is just gigantic and being a, a PS5 player, I appreciate the way that the game looks as good as its design ambition. You know, one complaint that I could lodge against Breath of the Wild is that being on the Switch, it didn't look as good as the ambition of the game was going for, uh, hardware limitations and such. But this game is absolutely breathtaking to look at. Um, and it's got really fun gameplay where you can switch in and out of your party. Uh, they all have elemental based attacks. So you're, it's almost like a kingdom hearts kind of experience where you're, where you're selecting between your different characters in, in very intense battles. Um, it's, have you guys heard of this game? Have you tried it? Is there yeah, any I, appeal I, at all here? I, I played a, I played it for a while. Um, and I talked about it on the show um, on PC. Uh, I know, I think the PlayStation five, either is about to get or just got the 4k patch. The so end the game of the month looked, it's dropping. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's exciting. Uh, but it looked great on PC. You're absolutely right. It's a beautiful, beautiful game. Um, I guess I didn't stick with it because I didn't have a lot of other friends playing it, but also I sort of felt the, it, it wasn't that the, the free to play thing was, um, bearing down on me in any significant way i just 
I just anticipated that it yeah. might. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even, you're saying you did 40 hours without it. I didn't get anywhere close to 40 hours. Mm-hmm. And so I may have not even felt it, but just sort of like the messaging that comes up, I was like, I don't know if I can get into this game. There's and that's a lot maybe of, weird, but. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, it's a it's a bad on-ramp. Like there's so many menus and windows popping yeah. up with notifications all the time. Hey, you just kind of get the heebie-jeebies of like, that, oh, you guys a, are going to screw me with this game. Yeah. Aren't you? That's, that's, exactly that's a the good on-ramp. That's, that's very intentional. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many different uh, currencies in the game. Like a lot of the, a lot of the back end of this game doesn't make sense for a long time. And it, it just kind of dumps it all on you at, at the offset. So what yeah. I did is I just, you know, I just played and I just explored and learned, you know, the, the, the regions and, and found new territories. And by the time I got to that point where they did, you know, slap it in front of me, I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, we can make money at this game and you're going to want to do it. I was already so invested and in, enrolled in the game that, you know, much like a Fortnite, if I've spent 50 hours with a game, I don't have much of a problem dropping 20 bucks into it. Right. Um, but I, I've, yeah, I've just been having an absolute blast with this game. That's awesome. I, you know, I, I know it's doing really, really well. It's mm-hmm. been one of the most, I think it was like the most um, um, successful game from its region uh, ever. And uh, a lot of people are digging it. I, 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 maybe I'll download it on PlayStation after that 4k patch comes. Um, but I played it on PC and I, I would, I was digging it, man. It, it, it does feel a lot like Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. I like that you can, you know, you get the gliding, flying, wingy things very fast, and you can you can start moving around the world pretty pretty quickly. And I do like the you know, the where it even early on where it stands out from Breath of the Wild is that switching between characters thing, where you have these very different playstyles that you switch between. You know, the the ranged attack and the yeah. melee attacker and the magic user. Um, and the dungeons are are, are kind of cool where you have to mix up. You can mix up all those cool elemental attacks. I mean, I guess Breath of the Wild does that too, where you, you know, yeah. electrocute water and do all that stuff. Um, but, I, you know, I was thinking it, it's really pretty. So maybe I'll give this game another shot. I I, I like the fact that it's uh, on console as free to play as well. It's cool. And also it's got- a huge proponent of photo mode. This game just like, I spend just as much time not playing it and just like, looking at it yeah <laughs> which is a big problem for me is the go ahead christian it got controller support uh on uh, at least ios which i think is because originally it didn't have it even though you know a lot of games did i think it's nice to have that um this is maybe an aside but we can circle back to i don't want to change the subject for too long i used to do work in politics in college and volunteer and work on campaigns and stuff like that since then you listen to this podcast you know how we talk about it some Uh, I am in no way looking to get into politics, but if I were, one of the things I would bring with me from gaming is I think that you should always be able to spend real money. I, as much as I love Fortnite and as much as I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. many a free-to-play game, just as I hated it on the Xbox 360 where it was like, that's this many Xbox points and you can't do the math easily. I think everything should be purchasable with real money. This back-end multiple currency things is malicious. It is uh, done to confuse people and to yeah, make them spend more money. intentionally obfuscating what you're spending. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're and, right. And I, 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 I hate it. And I think that people that do it should feel bad. 
Um, I'm probably burning bridges in an industry right now. I, it's 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 awful. And there are laws in California. I think I might get this right. Like if on a gift card you have less than five dollars, ten dollars, or whatever, maybe this is national. Maybe it's just California. You, the the retailer needs to give you money back because so much money was getting just lost, not lost because the company had it. <laughs> but you have, only have three dollars left on this gift card. You put it somewhere and you forget about it. But you paid a full twenty dollars for that gift card, and now there's just this unused money. And I think digitally you know, whether it's regulation or not, I think that needs to be addressed because the same thing happens in Fortnite where it's like, well, I have like 300 points and Epic would say, well, you can buy an emote for that. I don't want an emote. Like <laughs> I'm not interested in that. And now if I want to get a character. I need to buy another thousand. Now I, and, and Genshin Impact from my limited time, because I played it before the controller update on iOS, it felt similar of like the packs and the currencies and it's overwhelming. And Again, I'm derailing the conversation, but that is one big sticking point for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad Microsoft changed on their store with like that points or whatever it used to be on 360. And it, it disgusts me yeah. <laughs> and free to play games. I, I hate it. That's a fair point. It's and, and with this game, especially like at least Fortnite has just, just V-Bucks, uh, Genshin Impact. It's like 10 different things that don't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And, and there's only one reason that ex- it exists. All of those things where it's like, well, it's easier to spend energy lightning than mm-hmm. it is to spend, you know, human dollars. Um, I'm curious though, Adam, what, what the, uh, what the gameplay loop, not gameplay loop, the, the pull is, you know, obviously the monetization comes, as you said, from aesthetic stuff. Yeah. You're leveling up. Are you able to get into new locations, do new dungeons? Tell me, is it is it more like an MMO than it is Breath of the Wild at a certain point? Uh, what's the draw going forward as you get more and more powerful? So I, you know, like I said, I'm about 40 hours into the game, and I've barely cracked the surface of this map. It is so vast, and it's open at least everything that I've seen so far is open from the outset, much like breath of the wild. You kind of chart your, your path the way you want to go. There is a main story quest that you can follow, but you can also just explore at your leisure. One thing that I really like about this game, and maybe it speaks to the, you know, the addictive gotcha mechanic of it is as a guy that doesn't have a lot of time to dedicate to a game. Genshin impact has this really satisfying, you can just sit and play it for 10 minutes and feel like you achieved something. You level up your character, you level up your weapons, you level towards the storyline progression. Um, There are a lot of, and I think this is just kind of like a great thing in games in general that they've achieved in the last, you know, 10, 20 years is that they understand that their audience has less and less time to play. So what they do is they, they compartmentalize the achievement the, the feeling that you've done something in a game. Yeah. Um, and I think this game does that really well where I can just jump in for 10 minutes, do a quest for the adventure guild or go and travel over another hill and find a ruin or a castle or something. You can always find something and not only that, but when you do it, they give you some measure of reward, whether it's experience or one of the 50 currencies or whatever it is. They give you something that you feel like that was 10 minutes well spent and you can either stop 
and feel satisfied or keep going. So while it is like a game with hundreds and hundreds of hours of content, I'm sure they, they, they manage to do a great thing where they, they give you chunks of fun at a time. And that's satisfying for a person like me who only has like 10, 15 minutes before I got to run my kid to karate. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's great, great for me. Again, that's Genshin Impact and it's free to play and it's on mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it's, it's like Christian was saying, it's on mobile, it's on everything and all of it is cross progression. So uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Um, all right. Let's uh, talk about the other game that you mentioned being on your playlist. Um, Christian talked about it a lot last week and you and I both played it this week um, before your eyes, right? Yeah. The only reason I played this was because of how highly Christian spoke about it on the last week's episode. Um, I am a person that always puts story as story is paramount to some of my favorite games Um, and video games that utilize storytelling in a way that Sure, you could tell this story in a book or a television show or a movie, but, it, you know, and I, and I won't speak to the specifics of this game because that's the whole point. But I, I finished this game and I walked upstairs and once I dried my tears, I said to my wife, I'm like, this, this is why this medium is as important and and hallmark as it is like this this game and this narrative experience can only happen like this in this video game. And I was rocked. Um, I like, again, I I won't speak to specifics, but it is a, it is a game that deals with life and death. And there was another game that I played uh, that I'm still playing. I'm very sold playing through spirit fairer this year. Mm, That that, that does the same thing. And this year, to speak a little personally, this year I've lost three people. I'm sorry. Um, I lost my uncle. I lost um, my wife's uncle, who was her godfather. And then just a little over a month ago, I lost a good friend to COVID. And this past year in particular, COVID not only being responsible for so many of those losses, but it affects how we say goodbye and how we deal and uh, cope with these losses because you can't, you can't be there. You can't experience grief in the way that we all should in a healthy situation. Right. Um, And both of these games and this one in particular, I think um, they help facilitate a feeling of attachment grief and letting go in a way that I think this year has been extremely um, therapeutic to me personally. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's phenomenal what these games can do. And this one in particular uh, really touched me, especially as a parent and somebody who's in, in the situation that I am of, having lost so many people in such a short amount of time to be able to have a very personal expression of that, of that process. And I get, to, I got to go through it from beginning to end. And Christian was right. It's absolutely, um, it's absolutely a must experience. Uh, I don't, I, I hesitate to even say game, but, um, 
I, I, I just think so many people should, should have this experience. Yeah. Um, I think that's beautifully said. Uh, it is, um, a testament to what the interactive medium can do. And it is such a beautifully simple idea that is so profound and has such a big impact on the process of playing this game informs the experience of playing this game. The mechanics are part of the story, which is rare, right? Um, I mean, I think the story as written, and it is very much a written narrative, is beautiful and uh, insightful. Uh, the last line of this game absolutely crushed me, crushed me. Uh, I, like you guys, was tearful and uh, sobbing at the end of the game. But I was also moved at the beginning of the game as well, the very beginning of the game, because as much as Christian described it and eloquently so i don't think you quite get or at least i didn't quite get it until i played it right so before your eyes is a game that you control with your eyelids <laughs> um you blink to click basically um, although there are some sections where you just close your eyes completely, which I thought was exquisite. Um, but it is a game where you requ it requires a camera. A, you calibrate the camera to make sure it can sense when you blink. And the process of the game is kind of stepping through a life. And each scene of that life uh, moves forward essentially when you see a little icon on the screen and then you blink. But the icon comes up on the screen before the scene is over. So the potential to progress happens before you're sometimes ready to progress. But the idea is that you are going through your memories of a lifetime. And everyone knows the cliche that you know, life goes by in a blink of an eye. I think clearly that must have been part of the inspiration of this game. And it is, as Christian mentioned last week, you know, you get to a certain age, all three of us here are fathers, and you start looking at your children growing up and how quickly they get older and how developmental stages of their lives go by in the blink of an eye and how these, these things are lost forever, right? The, the way your kid was is not the way your kid is. And they, you just move through these, you know, they say the, uh, the days are long, the years are short as a parent. And yeah, you know, it can feel like an eternity getting through a day, but all of a sudden you blink and your kid is older and, and behaving differently. And you don't, you don't hold them in your arms anymore because they're big. And it, you've, you get this sense of, passage of time in such a more profound and I would say devastating way. It is, it is sometimes very um, hard to, to experience. And this game is about that in, in a lot of ways. It, it conveys that in its methodology because you want to hold on to these moments. You want to hold on to this, scene you want to see the rest of it and you want to experience it you're a 
living through this moment as a little kid talking to hearing his mom talk to him and an involuntary action, an action that you cannot prevent happening at a certain point, the blinking of your eyes causes you to leap forward and miss parts of those scenes. And just that very mechanic, that very point of interaction moved me because it's how life feels. I can't stop it. I don't have the ability to save my game right here and go back to it later. It's all moving so fast. And these involuntary things, the passage of time itself is what we're fighting against as we think about our lives and move, move forward through them. And to have a game express that so exquisitely, so simply is truly an accomplishment. It is something profound and um i i think the game is very special over and above i think what is a a lovely narrative that has some reveals that i didn't see coming that kind of does has flourishes narratively that are interesting that also hit me you know impacted me with emotionally um but man just just the pure notion of you blink and you miss it expressed the way it's expressed in this game is worth playing. I mean, I, I don't, for my money, it is not quite what remains of Edith Finch, but it's real close. And it's in the same category. If, if you are somebody that played what remains of Edith Finch and liked what that game meant to you and, and how it made you feel, you are going to adore before your eyes and yeah, you should seek it out for me. It, and I've been thinking about it a lot since last week. Um, it, you know, we've, we've had our differences about, what remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. But I, I think for me, this game is above it, even like the best version, like my favorite parts of Edith Finch. And I think part of that is not necessarily the narrative, not in spite of the narrative by any stretch. This narrative is strong and it's great and impactful and, and hits. Um, but I think as you, that, that mechanic takes it up above and beyond where it's, it's a feeling of missing, but also accepting. Right. Like, again, I've read articles. Where it's like, here's all the things you can do, you know, make sure you keep your eyes open. And it's like, no, that's, in my opinion, not the point of the game. It is right. it is to have that feeling of like, I was on my phone. This is not in the game, I'm giving a broad example, but like I was on my phone when my kid ollied for the first time. Crap. Why was I checking that email? You know, like it's yeah. that kind of thing of like, I did, I blinked and I missed it. My, my, let me or, see if I can... or even or, or even more than that, it's. I can't remember the moment my kid first did a thing. I can't remember it. It went by. I, I, I blinked and I missed it. And I don't, I don't remember the first time my kid tied his shoes for himself. I just don't, I don't remember it. And that's, this game is sort of about memory and about, you know, going back through your life in, in a, in a profound way too. I'm going to share something on camera here and I'll describe it for the folks listening. My wife sent me this, a text this text if i can get this to focus it is an advertisement for slack <laughs> and it's a woman with her child i'm assuming and the kid's like kind of looking at her smiling and she's looking at her phone and it says this is your moment let's reinvent work and she's i guess playing with her child but instead looking at her phone and slacking nice work yeah. everyone proud of this team 
It's like a, vi- a vision of hell. <laughs> it's a vision of hell. <laughs> and like Look, this- you don't ever have to not work. <laughs> <laughs> to get that, like, very soon after I finished Before Your Eyes, I was just like, throw the phones out the window. <laughs> like, yeah. every moment's precious. I'm, uh, spoiler, working on getting some folks uh, to do some bonus content for uh, that worked on Before Your Eyes to have some... Great. It'll be after an episode, more in-depth spoilery, but those kinds of conversations. And I'm so glad it connected for, for you two as it's well. It's beautiful. I think it's such a special game. Another thing I'll bring up, Adam, I don't, I don't know how you felt about this, but it, it, the game's also about creating art. And I thought the way you create art in this game is beautiful as well. I've never seen a game do it quite this way. There are moments where you are responsible for creating the art. You do it in a very simplistic way, mm-hmm. but... The way you, the the art that you end up making is inevitably very unique for you, right? It's not going to be the same for each of the three of us or anybody that played it. And oftentimes it's not exactly even what you intend. It's not, it, it happens almost despite you in a certain respect. I'm talking very vaguely, of course, but I just thought that was really lovely and beautiful too. I, I don't know how you uh, felt about that. I connected with, so many things in this game um, to a point where it was kind of eerie. Like I, I was wondering if like I was doing something that the game was able to, like I could imprint myself on the game because uh, the mother had a talent that my mother had. And the, the character in, inherently leans towards a talent that is my primary form of business as what I do. Um, and, and, and even above that, I think what this game does so brilliantly, first of all, that the, the voice acting, like the acting in this game is so brilliant in its, in its understatedness. This game is the, the story and the situations and everything that you go, nothing is large. Nothing is, um, extravagant it's all just moments of life and the the performances of the characters in that life are just so grounded like you instantly know that person when you're playing this game it it you relate to them their mannerisms the way they joke with each other the way they bicker and argue everything on screen i just felt instantly like i was like i belonged there uh, which made the, the the path of the narrative all that more impactful. Um, yeah, I, I just simply was blown away by this game on so many yeah. different levels. It's special. It's very, very special. I will also say, at the risk of being predictable, uh, never has there ever been a game more suited to VR than this one. It, 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 I hope, hope, hope there's a yeah. future where they make this game before your eyes uh, in VR because... Well, it needs to track your eyes somehow, though. It, need VR it doesn't have with... to track your eyes. Just turn your head. Just turn your head. I mean, but the only blinking. thing... It has, to, it has to register oh, a yeah. blink. Oh, right. But the next generation of VR headsets are all going to have eye tracking. Um, they're all going to have the camera facing your head. Um, but yes, uh, you, you're correct that headsets right now probably can't do it. But the next generation of headsets are all going to have eye tracking. Um, so... I think that's a no brainer. And I hope, I hope they're thinking that way because I think this would be so beautiful in VR and so perfect. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that bummed me out about the game was that I had to use my mouse at <laughs> all. 
you know, I didn't want to use it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope that happens. Um, and I think one more very important thing to tell people who are thinking of playing this game, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but to me, it is imperative to the experience plan on doing it in one sitting. Yeah. I, don't I do interrupt the flow of this game. Just do it all. Take that block of time, play it in one go. Yeah. And, it, and you can finish it in under two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's worth thinking about it. Like I'm going to sit down and watch this movie yeah. and play it from start to finish. I totally agree. Uh, and on that note, you know, we were going to bring this up in the uh, news segment in the story of the week segment I think it is interesting to note that uh, the uh, lean designer of the game, uh, Bella Messix, uh, had an interesting interaction on Twitter and with Steam users because because this game can be finished so quickly, under two hours, it falls into a weird category on Steam. Uh, Steam basically will refund a game. uh, No questions asked if you have played less than two hours of it. And since this game can be completed start to finish in under two hours, uh, it looks like some folks have been abusing that and asking for refunds, even without, uh, even though they played it and liked it. There was a, a user on Steam who, this this person by the name of Travis, who said uh, they loved the game, but they asked for a refund because it was under the two hour uh, time limit where they could get a refund. And so uh, Messick wrote on and said, uh, yep, we made a short game. Uh, I think there should be more short games. I think short games shouldn't get refunded for delivering an amazing experience. And as as sort of an act of protest or to highlight the issue, he uh, (laughs) this designer actually created a game on Steam called Refund This Game, where... uh, it costs $100 on Steam, refund this game. And the the only thing you do in the game is you watch a timer counting up to two hours. And if you manage to quit the game in the last five seconds, you earn an achievement. So you're, you're, you spend $100 and you're playing this game of chicken as to whether or not you're going to be able to get your $100 back before you or, or get this achievement. So if you're able to quit the game right in the last five seconds, you'll get the achievement and then you can get your $100 back by getting a refund. But if you mess up and you don't and you go over the two hours, then you won't be able to refund the game. I think it's a pretty brilliant uh, sort of commentary, uh, act of protest. But Adam, I'm, I'm curious what you think about it, having now played the game. I, uh, I am a huge proponent of short games. Uh, I talked about it before. I, as, as a dad, that's my bread and butter. I will absolutely praise short games up and down. I think they're fantastic. Um, that's really sad, especially, you know, in a time right now where, uh, people are struggling, right? (laughs) Like this, 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 this guy's life work. I can't imagine how much, um, time and investment he put into this and for people to have, such a profound experience and still want their money back as that's not right. Well, to Travis's uh, uh, credit, he actually apologized uh, after this had all blown up and, and uh, Bella Messick tweeted about it. Uh, he said, I, I sincerely apologize for abu- abusing what is clearly a broken system and vowed to repurchase 
before your eyes. Christian, do you think it's a broken system? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's really, I think, um, consumer friendly of Steam to not incur a review process for anything where you've spent less than two hours playing a game and you ask for your money back. I think that is, uh, you know, one of the things we've railed out on the show over many years now is this inability to return broken product in, in this space, in this industry. So in one sense, it's really great that Steam doesn't slow that down by asking human beings, uh, you know, in their workforce to review these games where you've spent less than two hours playing it to get your money back. But here, of course, it can be abused. So do you think this is a broken system? I do, but I think it's bigger than just Steam's, you know, broken system. Um, Yeah. And I'm not sure necessarily how it works at retail or who swallows that loss. You know, they can restock the physical item and maybe resell it. But then like Best Buy selling open box items, you know, what's the loss on that? They've already bought it that TV from Vizio. I, I don't understand that that whole world enough to speak intelligently enough. But I, I do think that there is a problem with digital returns and a, a, under two hours seems weird. Um, man, I forget what game it was. There was an, a VR, an early VR game that I kept tinkering with and I wanted it to work and I couldn't get it. And I ended up playing it for over two hours and I would have returned it if I could, cause it couldn't work, but I spent more than two hours with it. And like, that's not perfect. A short being able to return a short game that you complete isn't perfect. I don't know the solve. I don't know if it's like you saw credits, you can't return it. Um, but it, it, it is, it's difficult because games are so unique in that sometimes they just don't work um yeah and returning them is is weird but you don't think about returning a movie that you rented you know like i rented this movie on itunes or on amazon and and watched it it. yeah Yeah. uh i want my money back no (laughs) but i rented this movie and it did not play i want my money back yes games are just such a weird weird thing that yes i think it's broken Unfortunately, no, off the top of my head, I do not have the answer. Right. I'm curious if you do. Uh, no, I mean, I think I, I, I think the simple Band-Aid is, you know, you let the developers flag games that can be completed in under two hours, you know, and, and, and so those are sort of put in a different category. Um, I happen to think that Steam's refund policy, by and large, is pretty consumer friendly and, and a positive. Um, it's, it's great that you can return a game that is broken or that, you know, it doesn't work for you for a variety of reasons. I think that's, that's generally pretty good. And I think abuse of that is a byproduct that's hard to eliminate down to zero, but is kind of a, I don't want to say, you know, worthwhile, but it is uh, understandable, necessity for creating a system that I think is pretty good for consumers. So I don't know. Uh, I'm confused by it. <laughs> I did think it was interesting, you know, a, a game that I keep raving about all year long and I still think is one of the best games that I keep playing is Gordian Quest on Steam. I happened to be scrolling through the Gordian Quest's Steam page recently and I saw a, uh, a review for the game that was negative and the reviewer was like, you know, this is, I can't recommend this game. It's not, not great. I, I love Gordian Quest. The reviewer had played 83 hours of Gordian Quest. <laughs> I was like, I can't. 
you can't not recommend a game you played for 83 hours. You know, there's something wrong with you. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a strange and interesting world on Steam. Uh, and I don't I don't know how to fix it, but I don't think that there is a perfect fix. I think that's the point I'm trying to make is that there's going to be problems, and it, it would be great if Steam could find band aids that would work for these developers because I feel for the developers too. It's like I, I agree with Adam and I agree with with this designer that short games are good. I don't have a problem with short. I love being able to sit down and play through a game that wasn't very expensive in one sitting. I think that's a delightful experience. Uh, I wonder so, if, if part of it is um, it does, the developer doesn't lose the sale. It's kind of like the Nordstrom or Walmart approach where it's like Valve eats it. Yeah. Is what you're saying? Yeah. And, and because they want to create that place. Like I want yeah. to buy from them because I can do this. And right. if I buy at other store, I can't. And that's the incentive for them to get their 30%, you know, development yeah. fee or whatever. That would be nice. That would be nice for Valve to do. And especially with, you know, any, any situation like this is going to be a game. That's not going to be a $60 game, right? Any, any game that you complete under two hours is not going to be a game. The developers are going to charge a high price for uh, so it w- maybe wouldn't be a big deal. Interesting. Anyway, that's our, you know, we snuck in another story of the week inside the playlist segment, but thanks for bringing that up, Adam, because, th- you know, I'm glad you got to play it this week. I'm glad I played it this week. I- I'm glad Christian uh, talked so passionately about the game last week because uh, it got me to to play it when I, I may have overlooked it. And so I hope more people who are listening to the show give before your eyes a shot because it's a special experience. All right, Christian, what is on your playlist? Well, I'm going to start um, with a game that um, these impressions are only going to be available um, Monday when the podcast comes out on RSS. It's going to be uh, these impressions are going to be available from 10 p.m. until 4 p.m. <laughs> at which point, so I should say 10 p.m. Sunday night until 4 p.m. This is all specific time. And then yeah. it goes away. If you okay. are listening on um, Pod Burners, uh, these impressions will come live for you on may 1st right <laughs> if you, i see what he's doing if you're uh <laughs> man so i played the resident evil village village demo that was live for eight hours on the playstation family of consoles only get to play it for a half an hour though but you only it's so confused it's an eight hour demo no, it's live for eight hours yeah you get to play for 30 minutes and then next week there's a castle demo that's the same thing it's the same download but does an internet check and then may 1st i think across pc and xbox you can play either for an hour or both whatever it's weird (laughs) um it's very weird but i played the resident evil village 30 minute demo that playstation had up for eight hours only if you're listening to this you cannot play it (laughs) right now (laughs) (laughs) uh it is a free demo that you can currently cannot play um did either of you play it no I had the ultimate uh, 40-year-old dad experience where I downloaded it earlier in the day, put my kids to bed. I'm going to rock and roll. But what if I fall asleep on the couch watching House Hunters instead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And guess baller. what won? <laughs> yeah. Weekend! <laughs> yeah. Hard not. Was it international or where were you? Who what knows? City were you? Who knows? I was out like a light. <laughs> That's the that's the problem with eight hour windows of a of a demo that goes away after you know you got to build your life around it. And some people like me, like us, 
it, lives are complicated. It's kind of fun because it creates this event. And then it's also kind of annoying because it's like, oh, I should play that now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll talk through it and here and the video version, you can see a little bit of it. It, it is your, so you're between areas, um, kind of going, it's it lacks some context, but going from an open area into a smaller house, like in a, a, a village style house, not the castle. <clears throat> And it shows you a little bit of combat and a little bit of open environment. And it is stunning. It is still stunning. They, I know they released at the event, like, if you want ray tracing, it's 45 frames per second, which feels weird as a number. Not, I didn't notice it as like, this is clearly 45. Or without ray tracing, you can have it. No, maybe it's 40. Anyway, it's confusing. <laughs> There's all these settings. But I will just say that in playing this demo, it looked beautiful. I, I'm still impressed with the RE engine which I learned or relearned is does not stand for resident evil. <laughs> which is so silly. Why would it? That seems, why would it stand for resident evil? Yeah, it's it, the RE engine. It's That's ridiculous. Um, but it's beautiful. It stands and, for biohazard. Of course. <laughs> it stands for umbrella really. Uh, engine. Um, and, and so it, it gives you a little bit more opportunity to experience the world at this slower pace that ethan moves that you saw in the first demo as well but in a larger environment and so it's interesting to see that um it it feels more intentional whereas in that first demo and you're in the castle you know you're in those narrow corridors and you wouldn't necessarily want to be moving faster for this as i'm kind of walking through a field you know if i had like a really fast sprint i would have been using it i know that ethan in games like what where am i me as a player, I'm like, I know where I am. I'm in a and dangerous. I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in a dangerous spot. I clearly want to go to that spot, which is also yeah. going to be dangerous. But I don't want to. What does this mean? I know what it means, Ethan. Get out of here. <laughs> like, Hasn't he been through yeah. enough where he kind of should figure this yeah. out? <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll get to that. So mechanically, visually, absolutely beautiful. I, I think the gunplay feels good. Um, I'm still very, very interested in this game. And I think how it has the potential, again, this is this demo lacks context of kind of, it appears to be fairly early in the game. But what I like about this castle open, I think there's a lot of room for the devs to play with pacing and have those jumps and those scares. Resident Evil 7, also a game I did not finish because I felt I needed to play it in VR and I was too scared. Um, but I played a good game I mean, five hours. I feel like it was good enough for me <laughs> in my heart. But like so much of that game is in that the tight, you're in the basement, you're in the sewers, you're in the house, and you're you're so crammed the whole time that I really liked seeing this bigger space. And I hope there's more of it because I do think it allows for changing of pace and for you to let your guard down and for scares to come other ways and around a corner or, you know, things like that. So Really, really impressive. I would look up when the demo next is available for you if you are interested and and maybe set an alert on your phone so you can play it. Um, To your point, Adam, narratively, just in this little demo, I don't know, man. Like, I know that (laughs) I I know that Resident Evil, especially like OG Resident Evil, it's kind of like, oh, I'm so glad you rescued me. If you didn't, I would have become a Jill sandwich. (laughs) And it's like, that's how you're reacting to a room that, okay, cool, whatever. Um, you know, it has some stuff. 
Mm-hmm. This little demo, you know, it opens very early and there's like this old creepy woman with like a skull stick that's like saying things and you're kind of like, okay, lady. And I'm like, talk to the lady. She's got some stuff to say. She's seen some stuff. And then, and I'll be vague. I mean, this is a demo, but it's clearly part of the game. Uh, I think uh, you, you meet these other characters that my impression from this slice, Ethan just meets like you kind of are, kind of go through a field and you go into the smaller house or shack or whatever. And there is a woman and a man in there and it feels like you just meet them. But then within 10 minutes, you're, you're like, God, I forget her name, Cynthia. I don't remember. It's like, I'll just call it, call her Deborah, which I know is not right. It's not Deborah. That's the name I'm going to use. It's like, Deborah, no, we got to keep going. And it's like, you just met them. You don't know who they are. You don't know what's going on. You created this weird attachment to them. And then things don't go well. And then Ethan's like sitting at a window and he's like, expletive, expletive. Why does all this expletive stuff keep happening to me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like you I can't, behave like an idiot every time <laughs> something weird happens. I can't tell if it's tongue yeah. in cheek and like self-aware, but it's said with such ernst and like seriousness. But it was this really weird moment toward the end of the, the demo. I think he conflated earnest and angst. And angst, he, he ernst. got ernst. I like ernst. that. That was you cool. Got, you got uh Ernst Texas. goes to camp. You got yeah. Texas is what you got. <laughs> earnest um emotional response. And I I, it's played like it's supposed to have weight. I I think it missed. <laughs> well, Resident Evil has always been a little goofy, to be quite honest. You know, it's always been a little car- cartoonish. Yes, in, and 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 but as again, someone who didn't finish seven, seven felt yeah more serious, more grounded, more yeah. grounded, and yeah. this. I, I think I might end up liking it more. This doesn't. This is Tall Lady Vampire. This is Werewolves. <laughs> yeah. This feels like it's meme central. It's going to be tons of fun. And Ethan seems to be like, I'm too old for this expletive. Like, you know, yeah. they went through in seven. And I don't know how much time has passed before Village. But like, his coffee pot did not work. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting beast. I'm very curious for the... For the full release, it is beautiful, and I love that Capcom is still making these games. <laughs> cool, uh, I'm excited for the game. I mean, it's cool that they're you know giving bits and pieces and tastes, and maybe it'll in, in the full context of the game, maybe it'll feel a little yes less like that. Yes, and then I I, I wanted to say one thing broadly before another game, but I kind of want to pitch to you because yours is in the same um, same area as mine, and I can save some of these for later. I will say broadly now. Um, Apple Arcade is worth the money right now. Oh, interesting. Apple Arcade, in my opinion, with, do I have it up here? No. With my backbone, which I've been raving about my backbone, um, is very much worth the money. And I can talk about the great games I've been playing recently, but I want to hear about yours because that is one that I have not gotten to yet. Uh, well, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think I'm going to cancel my <laughs> Apple Arcade oh, really? <laughs> my free month. Wow. I literally, okay. uh, got the free month, uh, signed up just for, uh, just to try Fantasian, um, which is a game I was super curious about, not in any small part because it's, uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi, mm-hmm. the guy who created, uh, Final Fantasy, but also because the game looks so interesting. It's, it, it's made to look like. Uh, it was created little little dioramas, little physical models were created for all these isometric 
uh, areas you run around in. Uh, and, the, and the game looks cool. It looks good. I, I don't think that look pops off the iPad in the way that I had hoped it would. I think it, it's a really awesome concept, and I wish... There's another game coming out that's all stop motion. I can't remember the name of it now, but it just got announced. I think it's on Kickstarter, actually, uh, that I'm super excited about. It's a it's a, a 2D platformer, but it's all stop motion animated that I think is going to deliver on this concept a little even better. Um, but it's cool. You know, I, I dig the visuals. I wish I wish it just popped a little bit better. Maybe if this was on PC or something, it would. I don't know. Um, but ultimately, Fantasian is a, is a huge disappointment to me. Um, oh, no. Yeah, it's just it's just like JRPG A or JRPG B or JR it 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 is it is placeholder JRPG. Uh it it really doesn't feel like it has any life or personality. Um it is as somebody who loves turn-based combat and turn-based games, it does a, a couple of things that are interesting because of the touch controls. Uh and I think it actually handles the touch controls very smartly very very smartly overall like how you can you can slide in from the side and pull up a map and then like touch little nodes and your character will just walk to that node without you having to babysit them along the way and and touch each pathway is very smart um it uh there's some cool combat stuff where you have to line up shots or you can do curved shot magic things and hit the enemies but man so much potential left on the table as far as that like it could have gone so much farther to make the touch screenness. I mean, with the ideas that they introduce, it's just the bare bones version of it. It's, it could be way cooler and it's not like there's no movement of your character. If you could move your character around and try to get the perfect lineup of, you know, how your attacks are going to hit the enemies, it would at least add some tactical, interesting decision-making. I mean, this is a game that, feels like a very very primitive version of of turn-based combat of old jr old school jrpgs the story is utterly banal and uninteresting and we've seen it a thousand times main character with amnesia hmm. it's just like blah, blah. It, it, it's just completely uninteresting to me and um uh ultimately you know this kind of the game that i think makes people not like turn-based combat because there's just so few interesting decisions to make i Turn-based combat is awesome because you have all these wonderful tactical options, and this game is just like, nah, you got you got a couple of things you can do. It, it's just uh, unfortunately a massive disappointment. Fantasian on wow. Apple Arcade. It's 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 disappointing to me. I'm glad I didn't play that one first. I feel like so Apple Arcade. I still have some nits with it, a hundred percent. Like one, I wish it was its own thing like it's in the app store you still download the app you still have to find it or create a folder stuff i've complained about on this show before two it's not easy to refine games that you've played unless you remember the name of them like they did a big update which is why i'm saying it's worth the money now and they added a whole bunch of former app store games that now they're calling like plus iterations of it so it's like um, threes plus there's a, a version of that that's an apple arcade and a whole bunch of stalwart mobile experiences um but the other issue is one you bring up about the touch screen where i feel like apple arcade is kind of running into the same problem that the switch ended up dodging <laughs> as they released the switch light but 
I play every game with my backbone controller. I, I'm not a fan of touch screen gaming. I, I'm thinking about getting another backbone just to have in my car. So like just if, if I'm in that moment, like I have it, clip it on, play it. I have one at home. That's by my bed or whatever. Um, I really, really like that attachment for my, my iPhone. Um, but because of that, it's kind of like, well, it can't go full touch screen because it, I, I look at the controller supported game. So it needs to be able to be able to play it on a traditional controller. There's also on an Apple TV. And it's like, there's this weird world where I think developers need to make a game for all things instead of just perhaps the best controller experience or the best touchscreen experience. Um, Cause I think Apple arcade now, they kind of opened the doors to these old app store games with a controller I think Apple Arcade is a perfect place for old ports. You're mentioning bringing them to VR. I'd love to have Devil May Cry 3 on my iPhone with the Backbone controller. I'd love to have Resident Evil 4 with a controller. I'd love to have so many of these back catalog older games that iOS and Android devices as well are powerful enough to run now. And I'd love to see them brought into an ecosystem like Apple Arcade and there's so much potential there because as I talked about for Genshin Impact, a lot of these free, a lot of mobile games, uh, they make me very angry. (laughs) Yeah. And so I really love seeing games unattached from that. And this is double edged sword where like, I, I am happy to cancel subscriptions. I've canceled Hulu constantly. I cancel Netflix. Like I am not the person unless there's an incentive that keeps me sub for like my price goes down by staying subbed or whatever, there's no harm. I'll sub for Apple arcade for three months, get bored with it, turn it off, come back to it. I'm very good at that. Part of me is like, I wish I could just buy these four games that I'm playing and own them. But then that iOS race to the bottom, it's like, well, they couldn't because people would balk at paying. I don't know what would Fantasia be $15. Yeah. You know, I don't want to pay that. So it's, it's, it's really weird, but I will mention this, as you kind of said, Fantasian wasn't great. A game that I am absolutely loving on uh, Apple Arcade is NBA 2K21 Arcade Edition. Because it is, I believe, the only version of NBA 2K21, and maybe of any of the recent NBA 2Ks, with no microtransactions. Because Apple Arcade doesn't allow it. It's not as cool full featured as the console one and it doesn't look as great as the console one this trailer i'm going to pull up has like touchscreen controls on it but i'm playing it with um the controller and it it plays like 2k and there's the my career mode there's you know play as your team there's a blacktop mode there's a lot there and it's awesome to just be able to play this game and not worry about the multitude of currencies. Yeah. And like, I, I almost wish, you know, game pass kind of had that version or something, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I love that there are good games on mobile that are getting made that don't need to rely on predatory pricing. Well, the best thing about Apple arcade is not letting that happen. Like that's, right. that's the, the best thing about it. It's the fact that that's almost worth five bucks a month in and of itself. It's just like, Oh, here's a place where you can find games that aren't going to beg your children to pay more money <laughs> for every four seconds. Cause my kid, man, he, he likes playing the hot wheels games on iPad 
And every four seconds, it's like, hey, maybe buy some more stuff or hey, download another app. Here's a, we're going to pull up a thing in order for you to progress. You're likely going to click on the thing that makes you download another app. It's like, no, 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 no. So I had to turn off like the ability to install apps, which by the way, is the stupidest thing in the world. It removes the app store from your thing. Don't remove the app store. (laughs) uh, So stupid. Uh, to clarify something to Epic Open World, who maybe I misspoke, yes, NBA 2K is on Game Pass, but it is still that microtransaction-y full version um, that even if you don't partake in them, you get pop-ups for them all the time. Um, that's why I wish Apple Arcade was kind of its own thing, separate and apart from the App Store, where I could just click on it, see the yeah, games. exactly. Like, like it a, should be. Like 100% a, it should be. A Steam library. Here are the games. Yes. Here are the games I've bought. It should be a sub- subset of the stuff on your on your. Yeah, it's inane that it isn't because then it makes no sense. Even without that, it is still how I recommend if you have younger children, there are enough good games on there. Subscribe to Apple Arcade and say that they can only play those games. The problem is it's not super intuitive then where to find them. Exactly. And they can easily download other stuff. And there's no way to say, hey, iPad, only allow Apple Arcade games from the App Store. It's all it's such classic Apple horse manure well it's it makes become me... cluttered it's become cluttered yeah. which is a shame i'll talk anyway. about some other games later we're already you know yeah, a we're long, way late but i've been having uh, a lot of fun with it look into it if you've been holding off i think nba 2k21 just as a casual good game of basketball on your phone especially with a controller is uh is worth checking out awesome uh yeah man uh it's been a blast episode i've really enjoyed uh, having these in- in discussions with you guys and uh, thank you, Adam, for being here uh, for this. Um, we're gonna wrap the show up now. We got we got parting gifts coming up, but Adam Liner, tell people where they can follow you and all the great things that you do online. Yeah, the the best way to find everything that I do in regards to video game coverage is go to megadads.org or at the Megadads on Twitter, and uh, we do podcasts, videos on our YouTube channel. Um, streaming. We have all sorts of stuff. We've got a team now. It started out seven years ago, just my brother and I, but now we've got a whole squad of uh, middle-aged chubby dads and uh, <laughs> who struggle to stay awake to play their Resident Evil games. Um, it's always a blast to be on here, guys. Again, you know, I know I've been here three times, so hopefully there'll be a fourth. Um, maybe I'll get a special commemorative pair of sweatpants or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the old four-timer sweatpants, yeah. as we call it. Yeah. Uh, yes, no, delightful. And, and the Megadeth community is super awesome. You should check it out for sure. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Yeah, so I have a newsletter. You can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer, which on that little home landing page is very basic. There is a typo in it where I have an extra word. My mom was like, you should not have this right. And I'm like, it's a real bad sell for like, I'm going to be writing things. I can't get one sentence out typo for <laughs> But it is a place where I write um, longer form about video games. People have described it as it feels like you're getting a letter from a friend, which I love. I want them to be that level of communication. I love the feedback. I just sent out a new one um, Saturday. You can find the archive if you look for it. It's kind of about my thoughts about first party games i've been thinking a lot about it as we've been talking about it on this show about like sony changing course and nintendo wanting new ip and microsoft buying there so that's what this past newsletter is about but um you can find it tinyletter.com slash christian spicer and then twitter is the best way to see everything else it is at spicer s-p-i 
C-E-R. And um, Jeff, right now, chat is recommending that we should sell DLC sweatpants and not T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got it. Sweatpants it is. DLC sweatpants. Uh <laughs> I'm trying to think of a fun pun right now in my head, and I didn't. All I got was the story of the leak. It's not. That's not good. Hey. That's not good. <laughs> Nobody. That's not good. Uh, as far as me, uh, I'm at Jeff Canada with spelled with two N's and one T on Twitter, uh, and um, I have lots of other shows. If you want to hear more of me making bad puns, you can find those by searching for me or by going to slashfilmcast.com. That's where you know we talk about movies and TV shows. Uh, I do the uh, We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science podcast where you learn something and laugh along the way. It's pretty fun. Uh, I also do a football stream on Thursdays at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash FCF, which stands for Fan Controlled Football. And uh, the Dungeon Run is back. The Dungeon Run is back. We were talking before we started. Uh, Christian watched a little bit of the show on Wednesday. It was one of the craziest sessions of Dungeons and Dragons I have ever DM'd. Cosine. Uh, the, Cosine. The show went completely, completely off the rails, but not off the rails like funny, off the rails terrifying, off the rails everyone making decisions that completely threw me on my heels and were bold and incredible. Uh, yeah, it's not like off the rails where everybody's giggling. It was off the rails where like, oh, everyone's gonna die. Everyone, the all, everyone's gonna die right now. Check it out. You can find it uh, at Twitch.tv/slash/TheDungeonRun. It's also on YouTube. Also available as an audio podcast. Works great as an audio podcast. You should check it out. Um, so please do. I'm proud of that show. All right. Also, real quick, I, I do want to say it was only terrifying for you and your other players. For the audience, do not be deterred by Jeff saying it was terrifying. It is not. As an audience member, it is exquisite, and everybody should watch it. Thank you, Christian. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think everybody was having... Well, the, the thing that was crazy is, is the team split up, and so I, I I split up the players, and so they didn't know... One half didn't know what the other half was doing, and the audience knew what both halves were doing, and both ha- and each half was really messing with the other half was like setting the other half up for total failure and everybody in the audience is like what are you doing and i was going what are you doing but the players were like we're just doing the thing that seems appropriate it was it was crazy anyway let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts hey give us a suggestion Um, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. And I brought this up on the last episode of Mega Dad's Live, and I'm going to do it here, too. In an age of Disney+, Plus, where everybody's talking about WandaVision, everybody's talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I find myself completely smitten with the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this, all right. This, I, I'm, I don't like hockey. I'm not uh, a sports guy. Uh, I am from Minnesota. So I, I, you know, you can probably hear it in my voice. So Mighty Ducks is based in Minnesota. This show is absolutely hilarious. And I can remember watching the movies when I was, I guess, probably nine when they came out. Um, but I don't remember them being this funny. And this show is absolutely uh, gut busting. I watch it every Friday with my family. The kids love it. Uh, it's just it's it's wholesome. 
but it's not like funny in like a TGI Friday's Family Matters way. Like it's legitimately hilarious. I absolutely recommend this to everybody. I find myself wanting to watch it before Falcon and the Winter Soldier and everybody All makes right. fun of me for that. Um, but I absolutely adore this show. The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. All right. The Mighty Ducks. Who knew? Awesome. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? Yeah, totals, uh, not necessary, but um, wireless headphones are so nice. They have their downsides, but pick your brand. Um, I am wearing Steel Series. I have a, I've had a bunch of wire, wired Steel Series, and I recently made this switch to wireless. Like you mentioned about the Oculus, like that little wire for me, being able to be wireless on a headphone, it's really nice. It's really nice. I, I, people, we talk about HDR, 4K, all that stuff um simulated surround sound stuff like dolby um and a good pair of headphones i think can elevate most people's gaming experience in a way that they hadn't been considering that's it very cool where are those headphones um mine is gonna be a little vaguer uh and it's it's a tough recommendation in the in the fact that we're still we're still in a pandemic and covid is happening i know a lot of us uh are getting vaccinated i am half sedated um happily getting my second dose soon uh so it's it's hard but i will say this weekend my wife and i were able to get away from our children for the first time in five years uh and i mean they've gone overnight to grandma and grandpa's before but this was like us getting away from them for two nights and it was a unique experience because we had to go we were looking for houses as i mentioned uh, and it's not, you know, it's not easy. It's still, the world is not entirely safe. And don't do anything that's outside your safety comfort zone. I'm not advocating for that. But we're here, three of us are all dads. I'm assuming there's lots of parents listening. We rediscovered that we used to be a couple, hmm. you know? Uh, and we weren't, we aren't just parents, but we actually used to be a couple. Clean show tag, clean show, clean show. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I... Uh, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying we like had conversations. We could breathe a little bit. Uh, we shared a, a, an amazing few meals. Uh, and we remembered what it was like to just sort of be us. Uh, and I, especially during the last year where we've just been cooped up as a family. And, you know, I love my kids and I love being a parent ish, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great to remember, oh my gosh, yeah, we were like this couple that really liked each other. I mean, we it's not like we haven't been getting along or anything like that, but you just go, oh my gosh, yes, there was this other mode that we used to be able to go into. So if you have any chance to uh, maybe carve out some time for yourself, I highly recommend it. I know it's not easy. I know we don't all have a uh, family that can take the kids or anything like that, but as we start to get our lives back going, I highly recommend reconnecting with your significant other in, in a profound way. Okay, that's my recommendation. We got a uh, listener-suggested parting gift. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us by Angel, who writes, Hey, Kanatarama and Spice Man. I usually write in to suggest uh, listener-submitted reviews, but today I have a parting gift for you all. Now I realize this will sound like a shameless plug. But this is something that I truly and genuinely think anyone who likes comics of any kind will really enjoy. My self-taught brother spent the greater part of the last two and three years, two to three years, writing and illustrating Tank McGregor 
and the Mechanical Menace, an epic sci-fi comedy graphic novel. Guys and gals, I promise you that I'm not just saying this because he's my brother and I love him. This thing is really good. It made me laugh, gave me chills, and quite literally kept me on the edge of my seat as I read it for the first time. I encourage you all, if you have even the slightest interest in comic books, to check it out, whether it be on Kickstarter to get a copy of your own, Instagram, or Facebook. If you enjoy what you see, I invite you all to embark on this cosmic adventure with us. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Uh, I had a chance to check out Tank McGregor and the Mechanical Menace on Kickstarter. And I got to say, I love the art style. I love the uh, the the kind of snarky, uh, uh, self-referential style. It's it's It looks really like it's just dripping with personality. Uh, so somebody trying to do what you did, Christian, which is kickstart a comic book. So give it a give it a give it a look. Tank McGregor and the Mechanical Menace. You can find it on Kickstarter now. Thank you for writing in, Angel. And if you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Adam Leonard and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to all the folks watching the video version live as we record on Twitch. Thank you for downloading the show. If you're one of our audio listeners, we appreciate you. And we'll be back next week. Until then... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.